Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Who's from the haters? Point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah. Watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one. Let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to Embiid. What's going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell, along with my uh, my 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 long tenured co-host Brock. Brock, I see now I'm the one who has the haircut, so I guess you're next. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm coming up shortly. I have a uh, I have a social event, let's say, to attend in in a couple of days, um, maybe a week or two. So I might have to show up with a fresh cut, but we'll see okay. what happens. Okay, I like it. I like it. So um, let's start off with this. Let's air some grievances. I guess we got a lot of. I presume Eagles fans in uh, in attendance for this for this uh, show tonight. So why don't we uh, start off with airing some grievances? The Eagles lose. Uh, no, they don't lose. They actually they simply tie. They tie the game, which um, might be worse. I mean, say what you want, <laughs> but a tie might be worse than a loss, honestly. Right. I'll tell you this. I have never in my life. Um, I never in my life, I guess, laughed at the misfortune of a team that I spent my childhood rooting for. Mm-hmm. But when I when I heard what the penalty was on um, on what what the hell is the guy's name? Pryor, Matt Pryor. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I see the penalty and realize what it is. And I see them moving backwards. I'm like, wait a second. No, there's no way that just happened. And I realize it's going to take them outside of field goal range. I started laughing my rear end off. I mean, I was laughing so hard. Like, 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 and that, because it was like, okay, quite literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong in, in that game. Like that, is what a bad team does. And and it, it isn't like, oh, they're injured. Oh, they're off to a slow start. Like, whatever. They didn't have a preseason. No, no, no. They make horrendous mistakes. They, the, you know, they, 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 they beat themselves in the foot. They shoot themselves in the foot every time they play. Literally every time they they play. Um, and uh, the Phillies just lost, so they are 28 and 32 mm-hmm. and they they finished the season they will miss the playoffs for a ninth consecutive year mm-hmm. i hope i i really do hope i really do hope that um matt clentak is 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 like the browsing history on his on his internet on the way home from the like like from, from tampa bay i hope it's all glass door glass door job postings because he should not have a job by the time the, the by the time the um the, the, they get they land in um in 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 philly now i i you know i think and, and, I, and i'm happy now that i'm older i'm 24 happy now that i'm 24 when i was younger i didn't know especially when when i first got into sports like the teams in the city were all like kind of garbage like i was lucky to get into sports when the phillies like the year the phillies won the world series i was in the sports like that was my first time ever like really caring about sports and that was like yeah so i would it was like i guess a cold introduction because like no no it was a warm introduction but i 
got exposed to winning right off the top. So I didn't know how to handle losing. And then right after that, the Sixers hire Eddie Jordan, go 27-55. Eagles are mediocre. So, like, when I was younger, I didn't really know how to mask or, like, how to, like, I guess handle um, losing across the board in all sports. Like, I always – like, for the first five years of my enjoyment of sports – the Phillies were always like in, in contention for, for, for world series championships. So I didn't really know how, it, what it was like to, 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 to be bad across the board. And then the Sixers start tanking. The Phillies go down the tubes as soon as they lose NLDS Eagles were like, ir- like irrelevant, but like, I guess alive in, in some respects. Um, now I think we've kind of returned to this point where like, okay, this sucks across the board. Like, 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 like now that I cover the Sixers and I'm actually going to be in the building, hopefully next season, I kind of have this disconnection to the franchise and that my emotions are, are out of it. I'm an objective. I try to be an objective journalist and covering the team. Me all the time. Yeah. With that, with it, that, any, any journalism. Right. 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 And I mean, like, like, like they, they say like you can't compromise your journalist and te- your journalistic integrity. You can't do that. Um, and then, you know, like, like you see people like, uh, like Kevin Nagandi, obvious Philly fan. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicole Briscoe, who's the yep. anchor for for anchor for for Sports Center. She's a Cubs fan, like diehard Cubs fan. So like you can't you can't actually mask it, even if you try. You're supposed well, to be unbiased, but there's a difference between like you can be a fan and be human. You just can't be like my team overall and ignore ignore everything else, right? Like, like that's how you get that. Like you, you become uncredible, but I think we've sort of fallen into this weird feeling where like everything was like a good two years ago. And now it's like Eagles are horrible, like atrocious. That was a pathetic today. Uh, The Sixers are in like a no man's land territory where they are like palatable, but they're ultimately an, an undependable team. The Phillies are a joke. That was a joke of a season. And the Flyers, as Brian said, as Bryant uh, Britt Baker, our CEO, says, hey, Austin, the Phillies still has the Philly sports still have the Flyers. They do. I wasn't going to cut the Flyers. There's a reason I include them in the conversation because they're actually a team that's good. But it's weird now where we're kind of in this, like, I guess, this divot in, in the timeline where everything kind of sucks. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's crazy that Philadelphia sports fans like you – have given up hope so easily. I, I do agree that those two years ago do seem like a really long time ago uh, with everything that's happened. And Austin, being a Philadelphia 76ers fan, it's not easy. I, I really give everybody that's a fan of the Sixers credit because in the past two years, maybe three, four, look at what you've had to deal with, right? You've got the entire Colangelo era, which is hilarious. The burners and their collars and all the things that came from that. <laughs> Of the Markel Fultz era, which to this day is still an enigma to me. I don't know what happened to his shoulder or him personally with the team. You have everything with the process and the rebuild, all of the players associated with it. You have the Sam Hinkie era and Sam Hinkie forced out apparently by Adam Silver. Uh, so, so that's also part of the Sixers' recent history. And it's just a laundry list of things that happen with the Sixers that make you scratch your head. So – as, as a Sixers fan, I, I would understand why people are disappointed, but uh, they have a really good young core and an opportunity to turn things around. I'm keeping my optimism high with the Sixers. With Philadelphia, it's really a shame that you 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 open your pockets up, you make that <laughs> signing, and you take a Bryce Harper uh, contract past 10 years, you go 13, you give him everything in the world he could want. You give him the best catcher in baseball, and you really build a formidable pitching staff one through three at least. And the bullpen is one of the worst bullpens in Major League Baseball history. And I saw a graphic on the MLB Network which compared Joe DiMaggio's career stats to the Philadelphia bullpen and what they were surrendering. And hitters against Philadelphia's bullpen were essentially posting Joe DiMaggio's career stats against their bullpen. That's how bad it was. So you waste the first two years of Bryce Harper's contract. And to make matters worse, JT Real Muto – the most productive cat baseball without a doubt is now, I mean, he's going to, he's going to field offers from 
teams like the Mets, probably the Yankees, if the Yankees are going to spend money. But there's teams around baseball that are going to open their wallets up and provide this guy with a max offer, right? And Philadelphia may have let that opportunity pass. He may be bitter about what Philadelphia has done and not extending him earlier. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the tail end of that, you give away Sixto Sanchez. So at the time, it may be worth it if your window is win now and if you can extend JT. But if JT walks and the return was uh, – I mean, Sixto turns into a dominant pitcher, then it's going to be a tough look for Philadelphia. So I think Matt Klintek is is next up on the hot seat, even though uh, he should have been. Um, but there's guys across the board for Philadelphia that are apparently on the hot seat right now. Doug Peterson – Allegedly on the hot seat, you got everybody in the Sixers front office on the hot seat, uh, even though they're apparently now using Elton Brand as, as their puppet. There there have yeah. been a lot of rumblings in the past two weeks in Philadelphia with the management and, and the organization. So yeah, um, Philadelphia, I think they definitely hit a divot, uh, but my optimism is still high for, for these teams. They've got good cores. Let me ask you this. Do you buy like, like everyone's like there's killing Carson right now? Um, and so like, like, do you buy that he's a bad quarterback? Cause now it's not, it's not even as if it's not even as if Carson's is like, like you, you can't say he doesn't have weapons. He's missing easy throws now. And he's, he's sitting way too long in the pocket. Sometimes he's, he's overthinking everything. Like I, I genuinely don't think he's a good quarterback at this point in time. Well, I'm probably not the right person to ask this question because I've never really been a fan of Carson Wentz. That's right. That's right. Uh, you never were. <laughs> my problem has, has never really been Carson Wentz talent. It's more of the intangibles. Like I've heard things uh, from maybe coaches on the staff that, that surfaced in articles a year or two later. Um, maybe just anecdotes. Oh, you're, so you, you, got, you got some sources. No, 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 no. Not my sources. I don't have any sources. I'm talking okay. about like consuming articles that were written and they had sources in the articles that were from players or or coaches. Um, I I think in football, body language is really important. Being a leader is really important, especially at that position, at the quarterback position. And uh, you get scapegoated. The coach and the quarterback are the two things that get scapegoated for every loss. So uh, in in Carson Wentz's young career, I didn't see similar leadership that I saw in maybe Lamar Jackson or maybe in Russell Wilson or maybe Andrew Luck, for example. And I thought the the talent was most definitely there, but – people were treating Carson Wentz in Philadelphia like he was the second coming of, of Jesus, right? Yeah. And and that might not be the right analogy to use because Carson Wentz is – Might even be the first coming. Man, so. Yeah, yeah. but so to me, I, I just never saw that. And I understand he, he led Philadelphia to what became their Super Bowl season, but there just wasn't a large enough body of work for me to call Carson Wentz elite yet. And, and I'm that same way with every athlete. I, I try to be as fair as I can. And it just seems like in, in the recent year or two, people have been comparing him to Deshaun Watson and saying there's no comparison let's, there at all. Carson Wentz is a better let's, quarterback let's, than Let's him. take it easy. That, he's, always, he's not even on the same planet as Dak right now. Well, like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that much. I don't think Dak's that great of a quarterback either. But it's like Carson Wentz went from everybody was discussing him and Nick Foles and is Carson Wentz elite yet? And it went from that to comparing him to Josh Allen, and he's better than Big Ben, and he should be a top ten quarterback. And I'm thinking, where did any of this come from? <laughs> you know, two years ago, I got to hear that he got hurt. Now a year after, he's got no receivers. Although he's got no receivers, he's got the best O line in football. Guy goes down, everybody says, "Oh, the O line sucks." People were just deferring blame for the previous two, three years, and it's like now he's finally facing this this same scrutiny that maybe like Ben Simmons has to face in Philadelphia. And from what I saw today when pressure was really on Carson Wentz, he folded. And there's a coaching staff and, and people on that staff responsible for what's going on in Philadelphia. Jim Schwartz is apparently the e- easiest defensive coach in the NFL to scheme against because he doesn't disguise anything. And I actually thought he did a, I thought the defense did a good job today. Well, yeah, they stepped up late and, and Darius yeah. Slay not being hurt was big yeah. for the Eagles. But um, so there's just a lot of turmoil that led me to believe Carson Wentz is not the quarterback everyone says he is. Oh, I, I agree. I think we have to stop. I think Eagles fans, they love to – it's funny. It's Philly fans in general like to, like, call out reporters for not being objective or for being, like, easy. Mm-hmm. But they will never, ever – well, a lot of them will never criticize Carson Wentz. And it's, like, so obvious that right now he's just not a good player. The Eagles right get now. blown out by 
three touchdowns and what was a horrible game and there was no leadership, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Carson Wentz, let's say he throws an interception or two. Yeah. Everybody will blame the O-line, a wide receiver injury, a coach. Ben Simmons has a triple-double. The Sixers win a game. He locks up the opponent's best player, and people are still complaining he doesn't shoot the basketball. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't add up. Yeah. Um, the Joe Show Philly Sports Talk says Earth has 15 receptions for 130 yards in three games. I will admit this. As much as I, as I proclaim to know about basketball, I have – no knowledge of football, really, except what I see on a game-to-game basis. So I have no idea if 15 for 130 in three games is a good number. No? It, no? Okay. No, didn't, 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 didn't sound very good to me. No. Um, I, I, I'm, I was sort of thinking, like, it's kind of nice to see, um, like, Carson is kind of getting comfortable passing to Deshaun Jackson because for a while it was he wouldn't pass to anybody who wasn't Zach Ertz. And now it's like, okay, he's kind of spreading the ball around a little bit. Fortunately, he's spreading it into the other – teams cornerbacks but that's yeah. a different story um yeah so that's also an issue um kevin kill a guy who i actually work with for my day job goes suffer through it together uh he says austin Krell per- hot seat i am perennially yeah, on, per- on the hot seat per- perennially on the hot seat per- it's never mm-hmm. been a day where the seat's been cold um <laughs> brian says i think this is in reference to you brock time out when the pressure was on carson he folded that was the only time he was actually good, leading them to the game-tying touchdown and then leading them to, into a field goal range twice and OT to only have false starts pushing them out of range. Brock, you can have you can, you can can answer this question and we've got to move on to a different topic because this is a Sixers podcast. No, I'll, I'll answer it briefly. The reason why I said he folded under pressure today is because this is the Cincinnati Bengals and this is a week after you played the way you did against the Washington football team. So uh, a team that's 0-2 needs to respond a lot better against the Cincinnati Bengals and – the fact that Carson Wentz was even in a position uh, to have this game tying touchdown and then ultimately going to overtime is because of how poorly they played offensively through the first three quarters. So um, it's Cincinnati. You didn't come out with a win. You came out with a tie uh, in what was another ugly week offensively. So I saw him throwing his helmet. I didn't like some of the facial facial expressions he made after an interception. Some of them. You didn't like some of them? <laughs> it was just really bad body language, in my opinion, today. So yeah. uh, I think when, when the, the scrutiny and the pressure of the media was finally on him before, yeah. go ahead. One thing I want to say before we go actually move into the Sixers, because this mm-hmm. is a Sixers podcast. Um, I have been holding in pent-up rage, I guess, oh, all, God. all week, maybe the last two, three weeks. Because as it, as it sort of – come set in stone that Gabe Kapler is probably going to get to the postseason in mm-hmm. his first season as a Giants manager. And I have, I have a lot of friends at WIP, so I don't, I don't want to like blast them for this. And they've been good to me over there as well. So it's like, it's like not right. I'll say I'm really glad that the Phillies listened to the callers of WIP, the six the 55, 60 year old, 70 year old hoagie mouth people who, um, uh, uh, you know, who, 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 who can't pronounce names correctly when they were pissed about Gabe Kapler. I'm really glad that that we li- that they were the ones that were listened to last season when it came time to to blame somebody. Um, the GM is a, is a fraud, and the owner is a fraud. And mm-hmm. um, I blame. You know, I, I think I think obviously it would have been easy for for Matt Klintak to write a check to JT Realmuto if he didn't have a luxury tax and an owner breathing down his neck don't want to pay. But I can't blame Middleton for Klintak's complete ne- neglect of a major league caliber bullpen this season. And it, it was comically bad. If they were just the worst bullpen in baseball by like a fraction of an earned run, or if they were like by by like one earned run, they would be in the postseason today. They're not just the worst baseball. They're not. They're not, not, not. They're not just the worst bullpen in baseball by a little bit, but by a wide margin. Yeah. And they they lost. They lost. I couldn't tell you how many games they lost this season that they led, yeah, or that they could have won because of the bullpen. And they were, and was there wasn't just like one or two run games where it was like you know like like, like a, a bloop and a blast or a couple balls that were just you know lazy fly balls that had to reach. They blew a five run lead to the Blue Jays in the in the last inning mm-hmm. of play. They blew countless three run leads, all because of the bullpen. And 
it's not because the guys that he picked up were supposed to be good and weren't. It was because he completely just said, I'm going to live with this bullpen. Mm-hmm. And it was laughably terrible. And I'm glad the team gave up on him today because he deserves to be out of out of this franchise and out of baseball, quite frankly, because he's a horrible GM. And I hope McPhail is out too um, because this fan base is a lot better. And it's it's they're just not an enjoyable franchise to watch the last couple of years. I think the, the – Two years ago, before they got Bryce Harper, was the most fun I've had watching the Phillies in, I would say, six, seven years. So it's actually been less fun watching them with Bryce Harper. You can't even say it's because the expectations of winning are higher now because there really haven't been expectations in the past two years of Philadelphia Phillies winning. I mean, I have people that Philadelphia is either on bring them in the playoffs and they're not even going to make the playoffs. So. Uh, you can't even blame that phantom enjoyment on on the expectations of winning not being there. They just suck. Yeah, no, it's 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 painful, and um, it's it's remarkable. I think one thing for me that I, I find so wild is there are teams like the Giants, teams. Uh, let's see here, like the Marlins, I guess to an extent. Um, there, there are teams within Major League Baseball that, in the ten, nine, ten, nine years that the Phillies haven't made the playoffs, they have built up, won World Series, fallen to the bottom, rebuilt, and are now back in the playoffs. And the Phillies are still recovering from a, a postseason appearance in 2011. So I mean, it's it, it's remarkable how they've acted like, like I never really understood what it was like to um, never really, like understood what it was like to have a team miss on every front at every different, at every possible time. Like I never realized, I never really thought that it would be a situation where you're, where you're like the Mariners where you haven't made the playoffs 20 years, but this Phillies team has actually, made the wrong decision at every single turn. They've failed to develop players. They've failed to choose the right players. They've failed at the managerial front. They've failed at the front office level. Across the board, they have failed, and this is nine years running. And this is, it's, like a, it's like a perennial thing where it's like, okay, I heard my elders and my mom and dad or my you know uncles or whatever talk about like a team that not you know where it was for years they were garbage and then they finally got the playoffs and i was like that must have sucked can't can't relate now it's like no this is what that this is this is what that feels like where it's like every year you're like the cleveland the cleveland indians from uh from major league the movie um now let's so 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 let's move over to oh this is a good quote from gerard just came out on the Phillies GM Matt Klentzak. I love working with him. <laughs> which basically which basically means see ya. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know about that one. I, 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 I enjoy that. Let's go let's go over to the Sixers. It looks like this the twenty two minutes into a Sixers podcast and we're finally talking about the Sixers. Yeah. Um we it looks like things are sort of coming to a slow conclusion. It's kind of like a yellow light at an intersection right now. Um, they it, it, today uh, t- today Keith Pompey comes out with an article saying that like you know like they've all fallen in the grace with Mike D'Antoni and Joel likes the whole idea of um, you know like facing up on the perimeter and five out and Tobias is going to go to the four and I see everyone like like on Twitter, like speculating, like, what is this about? Like, like, like how's this going to work? Like, I guess D'Antoni is the guy. And I want to tweet out, like, you're so close. Just like, actually think for two seconds. Like you almost have it. It's on the tip of your tongue. You're, it's like your brain's getting 95% of the way there and you're just not getting all the way there. It's a leverage play. <laughs> it's a leverage play. The guy that they want is going to be, it is Ty Lue. They want uh, Tyron Lue to be the next head coach of the franchise, and they're trying to bring down his his asking price. Because what happened was two weeks ago, when Billy Donovan signed his deal, yeah. um, he gets what three? What was it? Three, four years, twenty-four mil? I think it was four twenty-four. Yeah. yeah um, so 
Ty Lue comes into play, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, couldn't win the title. He blew a 3-1 to lead to the Warriors. I've won a title. I've coached LeBron. I've won it but that as a player and as a coach in the NBA. Players are going to relate to me better than they can relate to him. If he gets 424, I want 5 535 is what what that conversation looks like. So they're trying to bring that asking price down. And it's it's very obvious to me. I have – I don't want to like throw this out there, but I have a story that I have lined up for either scenario that I've, I've gotten some, some, some good details on. Um, So Brian and I have been working behind the scenes on that story and it's in the drafts, but it's, it's, I think like Elton Brand said, it's all going to make sense soon. (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you this. I, I don't, I, I think even if you, um, even if you have like a scenario where like, like regardless of who they hire and regardless of what they put out towards the public, um, I, I think the coach that they hire, it's going to be the first crack in the armor for the future of Embiid and Simmons together. Because from the information that I've gathered, it's, it's pretty clear that they're on different pages with regards to who they would like as coach. And the whole reason that this is taking so long to make a decision and to get interviews and to hire is because the team's trying to do some counseling behind closed doors in a sense where they're like, you know, I know you don't like him, but how about him? Can we get you guys to both like this guy? How about that guy? So that's sort of where I think they are right now is trying to get the players on the same page. All right. That's pretty interesting because I I wasn't thinking that at all. What were you thinking? I had thought, all right, so the Clippers just recently got eliminated in what was a really underwhelming season. So even if you're going to go to hire Ty Lue, you have to wait until the Clippers lose. So the Clippers get eliminated, and I don't know if Philadelphia is going to make that announcement in the midst of two series going on, whether it be Denver and uh, the Lakers or Boston, Miami. And Mike D'Antoni was recently exited from the bubble as well. Um, I, I Honestly, what I think is happening right now is that they're trying to align a trade Uh, based upon – I think they're going to make trades regardless of who's that coach, but I I think they're going to try to align a trade or two first based upon who they're going to go with that coach, and if that falls through, then they make the instant hire. But this is – this has to be within a very short and the same time frame. So what I think that might happen is you have maybe Joel Embiid with Mike D'Antoni playing face to the basket, right? Let's say you have Ben Simmons as well. And I guess if Tobias Harris is mentioned and uh, D'Antoni intends to use him at the four, let's say that he's on this team for the sake of this argument. I think Philadelphia tries to go after Chris Paul or, or Drew Holiday as like a primary ball handler or a primary playmaker. So Mike D'Antoni can utilize them for the pick and roll in his offense if, if he does implement that pick and roll and, and, I mean, roll men have always had success in his offense. They usually run a high frequency of pick and roll. That's what happened when he departed from Philadelphia. Houston goes from bottom 10 to top 10 in the next two years and ball handling points in the pick and roll. So I assume Philadelphia tries to get one of them. If they can't line that up, then I think they decide who they truly want to go with the head coach. But I think what might be happening right now behind closed doors is, is lining these deals up. I mean – Right now, from what you've just said, it does kind of seem like Ben Simmons and his camp is preferring the Ty Lue hire because the ties were clutch and, and everybody in that family. And on the other side, Joel Embiid, I've seen, has publicly given the green light and approved of Mike D'Antoni. So um, I can see why you may be speculating that. And if you've sources behind it, then listen, power be to you, Austin. Uh, but right now, I think – I'm, I'm going to take the more simpler route. I'm, I'm going to say okay. Philadelphia's uh, management might be trying to align some trades right now. So. And the trades, me, can't, the trades can't happen for, for what, two more weeks? Is it? I've been trying to months? find, I've been trying to find information on like the moratorium period and how that works. And I just can't find anything like concrete and all yeah. of it's like out and all of it's like outdated, like by a couple of months. So I'm not sure if the rules have changed and I don't want to put like, uninformed i'd rather put nothing out there about like the tr- yeah. about those dates than put something out that's incorrect mm-hmm. um because at least then i can act like 
I knew about it all along. <laughs> I know, didn't. Um, hot seat for that ex- Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the last thing I need is a hotter seat. Um, mm-hmm. Now, so like, let me tell you, let me ask you, let me, let me say this. If I had to, if, if you had it on, on FanDuel right now, like who the Sixers first call would be if they hired Mike D'Antoni, I would put a lot of money on the, um, on that first call going mm-hmm. to the Sacramento Kings for Buddy Heald. I, I am very confident that it would be Buddy Heald would be the first call they uh, Sacramento would be the first call they'd make. Um, now, I, I I think what they're trying to do is they're just trying to get everybody on the same page, really, is what I think it comes down to. But I also think that they're trying to negotiate and bring lose price down, which is obviously just about money because it doesn't count against salary cap. So it isn't like you're trying to like it's like you're trying to fit things within the salary cap. It's it's that they're that they're just trying to um that they're just trying to like be cheap, which is so on brand for this franchise. Yeah, sounds just like Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's all I have on that for now. And I think the decision is going to take a couple of weeks. I'd say yeah. maybe not a couple of weeks, but like maybe like like a a, a day to a week. No, 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 a week, a week to two weeks is what I would right. say. So, um, let me just let me ask you real quick. So. You already said you think Ty Lue is probably like a five-year guy, right? That's that's what he'll expect from a team, yeah. and that's that's been reported. What does a Mike D'Antoni contract look like? Is that a two-year contract? I mean, you'd figure if he goes Indiana, Philadelphia, it won't be that long of a commitment because of his age, right? I would think it would be like a two- to three-year deal. Yeah. Two to, two to so, three years. I think he even said, like, I want to play, I want to coach like two or three, two or three more years. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say this, like I want to give him credit for like like he really he really he has like he has adapted his offense as time has gone on. Even if it's just like a little bit, if you go back and you watch some things, yeah, it's true. His offense has adapted as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make him a great coach. It doesn't make him a bad coach either. Um, but I, I I think he his lack of defensive emphasis. Um, um, the, the lack of defensive en- emphasis he's had in the past might be able to get like watered down or like, I guess alleviated here because you have a premier defensive wing in Ben Simmons, a, a theoretically elite defense, uh, defensive rim protector in, in, in Joel Embiid. So maybe that can sort of balance it out. Um, mm-hmm. but I think if you're looking for the best head coach for the job, it's going to be. Ty Lue. and everyone's like, like these are the best candidates they can find. Like, I got news for you. There's a reason that they're the best candidates you can find is because they're the ones that are available. The best yeah. candidates you can find are currently still in the bubble playing basketball for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, so, you know, and, and and they're not gonna they're not gonna be like, oh, we went and like found this guy in the like the the corner office and. Uh, in Memphis's front, like Memphis's coaching staff, like, like, no, they're not going to like put the, put a very fragile situation in the hands of a guy who's never experienced the coaching position. Um, now, so I did, I think it's take, I think it's take some more time, but I do think that it will ultimately be Ty Lue. Of course, I'll get old takes exposed for this if I'm wrong, which I mean, let me have at it, but whatever. Um, so in other news, other Sixers news, we have a child of the process. Yes, sir. Arthur Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, were you surprised by that? I was kind of like, I was like, I, I remember like last summer it was something that like someone had like speculated that that she that she that that Anne DePaula was pregnant, but it was like I guess disproven or proven incorrect something like that. I don't know. But nine months later, I mean, here here we are. <laughs> I'm I'm happy for Joel. I love that he named his his kid after his brother, his late brother. Yeah. Um, rest in paradise to his late brother. Uh, I'm I'm happy for Joe, and I think that's exactly how it should be. When I found out that Joe was having a child, I was just as surprised as everyone else. And I think in in this sports landscape where the media can be really invasive, it's it's very important to uh, your life and your personal life as private as you can. Make sure 
you keep your reality separate from what's happening sure. on the court and, and in the locker room. Uh, I kind of equate that to like J. Cole. Uh, J. Cole has been rapping for years on end, right? Uh, about women, maybe about this and that. And the whole time he's, he's had a, a woman his whole life that he's been with and he would have never known. So uh, you got to, you got to keep your, your real life aside from what's happening on the court and in the locker room. He did that successfully. Uh, they have a child. Congratulations to them. And what I can say now is that Joel Embiid is going to be a monster. You don't want to trade Joel Embiid. You don't want to trade Ben Simmons, but more specifically now, more than ever, you don't trade Joel Embiid because now he's going to have that father strength. Jason Tatum, he's becoming a young legend. He's got a kid, Deuce. Fred Van Bleet turned into a killer. He went from undrafted to a killer when he hit a chance. So these dudes turn into fathers, and they get 10-plus attributes in every category. So Joel Embiid, I fully anticipate top three in MVP voting next year. You can, you are, can stay. <laughs> what, what are we waiting for? Why don't we just become fathers? It's like well, everything. <laughs> you said it, not me. You said it, not me. I'm not. Any rush. You're, you're um, talking about washed up. You're feeling. Listen, I'm not. Any rush. That's all um, you. Listen, someday you'll get there, Brock, and I'll get there too, I guess. But um, I I, I wonder if this is gonna like change how Joel, like his outlook next season, because like. He'll probably be. I. I mean, I. I wonder if they'll like bring the, bring Arthur to the games because like I would not want to surround Arthur with Philly fans. It just like ugh, like let him remain pure and I, and and, I, and unruined. Um, let him let him let him stay like uh, you know like innocent. Um, but I wonder if like Joel's gonna refine rediscover that joy that he lost because he's now a father and because like it's her like it's not all about playing basketball now it's like he he has like an out to it he has somebody he can go home to and just play with and that kid doesn't care if he wins or loss um if he he wins or loses (laughs) jesus um but i i do wonder like if maybe we see like a reinvigorated him next year um go birds says what's up krell uh what's going on man or, or woman, good <laughs> lady. Good. Thanks for checking. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Brock didn't say hi to you. I wonder what you did to score in Go Birds. Maybe, maybe you're 24. You're looking for a wife and child. Maybe that's your calling right there. Oh man. Um, so let's go to Lakers Nuggets. LeBron closes that game out last night. And I don't say the Lakers close it out. I say LeBron closed it out because he was unbelievable in that fourth quarter. Um, is there anything like him closing out a playoff game or a playoff series? Right now, no. I mean, he's, he's what, 16 of his last 17 in elimination games. This is his 10th NBA final. Uh, he's been in the NBA finals every season since 2011, aside from last year with the injury and the – Hobble Lakers squad, but uh, LeBron James is is this generation's goat, man. And I feel like I definitely take LeBron for granted. That's something I'm kind of ashamed to admit, uh, but it's the truth. I, I grew up with LeBron, and I think I've just been so accustomed to his greatness that I, I don't want to say I never cared, but it's it's just the standard. It's what you expect. So uh, his whole career, you almost root against him if you're not a LeBron fan, just because you want to see some some difference maybe a different team winning or a player dethroning him you you like to root for the opposite but you only do that and you only hate him like that because of how good he is and he's the best basketball player on the planet right now Uh, LeBron James is is as good as they make them I mean he impacts the game in in every single way you possibly can and uh, he's a killer he he locks in and he's a killer Uh, there's nobody like him in the world and after the game what what the coolest thing was was that LeBron just took his slides off. He was chilling behind everybody in the post game. And he's just sitting on the ground because he's been here before he's in finals every year. So he he knows until it's a finals championship, it's it's worth nothing. And uh, this year there's there's even more implications because it's the same path Kobe Bryant had, I, b- I believe, in 2011 or whatever year it was, a very similar path. So LeBron knows that, and, and he's the lion. He's just hunting his prey right now. Yeah, I, I love how people on Twitter are like, there's that picture of him sitting like, like, like the, like the legs cross, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's so locked in right now. Like, yada, yada. I'm like, I think I'm like, 
Dude, he's 35. He just put up 38 points, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists. Maybe he's just fucking exhausted. <laughs> he just played. No, he's not different. There is no exhaustion. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Do you, I want. I feel like the 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 introduction of social media has ruined our ability to replace to to appreciate LeBron because now it's like so diluted with like people just trying to have takes um you know like 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 trolls um journalists that are pushing a narrative you know that that kind of thing and i wonder if like we would have appreciated him more back in the 90s i think we would have i think lebron is lebron i I think wherever he's he's playing he's gonna get appreciated I, i i agree with the first part of your statement with social media, uh, but at the same time, that kind of enhances his, his figure. It, it makes him even larger than life. Uh, his following and everything that he touches just goes viral. Um, but I'm taking a class beyond the beyond the field of sports storytelling right now, uh, where we're learning about like how important the media is, and yet, despite how important the media is. There's a lot of media outlets and a lot of people working for media outlets that are portraying these athletes in certain ways or they're manipulating narratives or they're reporting things inaccurately or they're taking things out of context or they're asking baity questions. It's just they're doing everything they can to make the player look bad publicly. Who are you referring to and why is it me? (laughs) The person, but I've been a media studies production major for three years now, so we learn a lot about me. Are you a junior? Yeah, I'm a junior. What the junior. fuck? Where did time fly? I remember I met you when you were like a sophomore. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> it's been going quick. It's it's scary, but uh, I'm making the most of it. That's one thing I can say. Yeah. Um. So I agree with you. Uh-huh. And um, I speaking of media and people trying to like – be taking in narratives and stuff like that. Skip Bayless says that this championship for LeBron, like it would be like a, he would be he'd be an overachieving Miami Heat team. It'd be like an easy championship. I actually think it would be the arguably the hardest that he most difficult that he's won. I think this is going to be more difficult than the Cleveland one, considering you have a, a stop and start type of season. You have to play entire playoffs in neutral court per se. Everyone's on the same amount of time of rest, essentially, once the series begins. Um, there's no travel. And I think this is probably not as good of a team as he had in Cleveland when they won. Like, their, their second best player is Anthony Davis, and he that's that, that's a damn good second player. Um, but they're ne- what? It's the best one he's ever had. Best yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, but then the drop off to the next best player is the point guard who looks like you, Alex Caruso. <laughs> quite dramatic. The, the drop off is quite dramatic. Um, um, so I, I think it'd be the hardest. Yeah. So when I saw this question in the Google Doc, I didn't really know how to answer it. Like, do I go back and look at? the adversities LeBron faced in previous finals, the 3-1 comes to mind. Um, An uphill battle against Golden State seems like probably the most difficult finals. But I think this shouldn't be compared in terms of difficulty or ease. It's just different. This is an unprecedented time. So in midseason, essentially, for these guys, or when they're getting ready to gear up for the playoffs, there's a huge stop and start. Now, I don't want to use the Kobe Bryant death as as an excuse, but that weighed on players and and specific players in Los Angeles and players that were close with Kobe Bryant. So that weighs on a guy like LeBron James when when you lose a brother like that. So there's that. There's the stop and start. You have everything going on socially. So LeBron speaking out using his platform, trying to encourage other players to speak out, meeting with the players' union, everything like that, not to mention – this is what year seventeen for LeBron James. He he he's not moving like John Morant anymore. He, he he's moving like a grown man. His body responds like he's a grown man, and he's been doing it for almost twenty years now. So uh, I don't want to rank this in terms of ease or difficulty, but it's probably the most different 
journey he's ever had to the finals. And um, I'm rooting for LeBron to cap it off with a championship here. Uh, that that would that would be written in the stars. So I'm hoping LeBron can pull that out. You might be shocked, but I'm also winning for. I'm also hoping for LeBron to win a championship. <laughs> um, for different reasons, though. LeBron needs to win for the culture. There, yeah, to- Jesus Christ! Here we go, culture. Um, so I do want to not just neglect the Nuggets. I think, mm-hmm. at, I guess, as painful as losing in a conference finals probably is for a fan base in a small market like Denver. I think they have a lot to be excited about and a lot to be happy about. I think that team that first of all, that core is super young. They're all like in the same age range, kind of Jokic is I think 25 Jamal's 23 MPJ's 20, I think 21. Oh yeah. 21, 21, 21. Okay, so they're all like under the age twenty six. Um, they're going to be right there in the West for the next four or five years, assuming they're all extended and they're all you know they they the core remains. They're going to be there for a while, and I think they're like one knockdown shooter away from basically and, and like another backup big because Lord knows Plumley just is not good enough. Um, and maybe like not overpaying Paul Millsap. Yeah. So but I think they're right there. I think they are right there. And they're going to be top three in the West for the foreseeable future. Hey, you, you owe Jamal Murray an apology because two or three episodes ago, you told me he wasn't a superstar or he couldn't be a superstar. We had that discussion. I didn't say he couldn't because he's the, definitely the prototype for a superstar in today's NBA. Yeah. I said I needed to see more than one playoff performance, um, or really one playoff year um, to, to buy it. But, I mean, what he did in these playoffs was was not only sustained, but it was – the same level of difficulty game in game out. Yeah. Um, so I, I am not eating crow yet on Jamal Murray, but I will gladly if the time comes. Okay. Um, do, you, do you, do you think he'll be a, a, an all-star in the West ever? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I look, so. Jamal Murray is 23 years old. Okay. So yeah, true. He, he's as young as they make him. But you have book, you have jaw, you have, um, who else in the West? We got a lot. You got to remember D'Lo, remember Curry, D'Lo potentially. I mean, the okay. the West is loaded. It's it's loaded, but um, you just kind of alluded to it. Denver has this really good core. Yeah, right? Mike Malone is a player's coach. So if, yeah, so if, if they win like fifty seven games and they're they're like leading the way, yeah. By the by the time All Star comes around, they'll probably get two in. So that'll yeah, they'll yeah, probably get sure. in. Yeah. So. Here's what you have in Denver. You've got Jamal Murray, 23, under contract for five more years. Nikola Jokic, 25, under contract for three more seasons plus the bird rights. MPJ is actually 22, but he's making less than $5 million a year until 2021. And from what Denver got in Porter from this season alone, uh, it it looks like he's going to be worth way more than $5 million a season. And his ceiling is as high as Kevin Durant, according to some people. So – if Michael Porter can blossom into anything close to what people think he will be, and I think he will, uh, that's huge for Denver. Now, Will Barton has one more season before his player option, so you get Will Barton for $13 million, in my opinion. That's an underpayment for a guy like Will Barton, who's still relatively young. Gary Harris is only 26, so you get two more years out of him. And they have a young core of players that they've really built through their pipeline, Bull Bull, Torrey Craig, Monty Morris. So they have an eye for talent. They have a good system where they can develop players and – I think it's only going to get better for Denver. Now Paul Millsap is off the books, no longer $33 million a year. Uh, so they're going to have a little bit of money to spend. And Austin, I agree with you. If you can get a guy that can play occasional defense but offensively can really give you knockdown shooting and move off ball and, and take things like the DHO, at least better than Gary Harris can, Denver's set. Uh, so they have assets to trade. They have a good culture. They have a good system. And they're going to be good for a while. This playoff run – uh, it's one big moral victory, but if you ask me, this is a moral victory to be proud about. This is the one exception. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So going off of that, so like I think the hard decision they have coming up is what to do with Jeremy Grant mm-hmm. if he opts out of his deal, of course. Um, he plans to. There, there's a report yeah. today uh, he plans to, and uh, I think a league executive anticipates like in the range of 14 to 17 annually over several years, which I think is an underpayment, honestly. It might be an underpayment. It might be. But you also have to keep in mind that you have – you're going to eventually have to pay MPJ. Yeah. So that, and I'm not sure if they extended Jokic yet. Yeah, yeah, he's got three more seats. Okay. He's, okay. They gave him like one so, seven, I think. Okay, so you're going to have to extend MPJ, and mm-hmm. you're going to want to. You're probably going to want to clear the deck for that because yeah. I think that's going to be it. I if 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 what, if my eyes don't deceive me, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a max extension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, going off of like something that I've emphasized recently, and really over the course of this entire season. Um, and especially with their, with, with their, with their talent evaluation and development that they've shown, I think the difficult decision that needs to be made is letting Jeremy Grant walk. And I say that because I think you can, I think they can, you, you can replenish that, that, that value in the draft with, with, second round picks or with late first round picks, whatever you, whatever you got. I mean, it, there's no question he's incredibly valued, valuable to what they did this season. But I think if you're looking at the core and you're thinking of, okay, who, who what is our three headed monster? That's not Jeremy Grant. There, there's kind of a ceiling as to what he can be. Mm-hmm. I think you have, you, you got to make sure all money is off the, all money is free for when it comes time to sign Michael Porter Jr. Um, so if I'm them, I'm probably going to let him walk. Yeah, I think based upon his market, he'll probably have a pretty high uh, market value. And because of that, Denver is ultimately going to let him walk. And like I said, they probably want to get uh, – they have Will Barton for 13 mil for another year. They'll probably want to get that money off of the books and um, distribute it in, in a different way. But – they're really going to feel the loss of Grant because he's this multi-positional defensive player where he can guard one through five essentially. And on offense, he does all of the little things that really help teams go on runs. And uh, you talk about dependability. He's played 80 games in three of the last four seasons. So uh, he, he definitely earned his value. He, he's playing valuable minutes. And in comparison to some of the other guys making money right now, like Jeremy Grant made $9 million this season. There's guys like Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, Hassan Whiteside, they all walk themselves <laughs> in the deals where they're making $27 million a year. If you're paying Hassan Whiteside $27 mil, like, oh my on. Lord. And Bazemore, <laughs> Jeff Teague, Evan Turner, they're all making $19 million a year. So I think if, if the salary cap is affected by COVID, which I, I guess it will be, then that drives Jeremy Grant's market down a little bit. But I think he's the type of player where you could give him twenty to twenty-two million dollars annually and be okay with it, uh, just because of what he gives you offensively and defensively. But I think if you look at Denver's bu- blueprint, uh, he is expendable. You you can replace that. Yeah. Um, so let's go over to the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Um, game six, I guess, is upon us in the next hour or so. It's almost. It's just about seven yeah. o'clock. Yeah. That game's upon us. Um, one thing that I kind of find incredible, it speaks volumes to Miami's preparation and um, their, their coaching. And Charles Barkley said it last night, and so did Kenny Smith. The defense should not be this hard to beat, and yet – no, sorry, the zone should not be this hard to beat. And yet their zone is – every rotation is perfect. Mm-hmm. it's on time it's in the right spot it's in sync every single possession and it's giving a team with shooters like the boston celtics a lot of trouble and it's making them you know think twice about their next move and i think that the the, that the fact that the miami heat in today's nba can trot out a zone defense as prolifically and as as consistently as they do on a game to game basis and that the Celtics are struggling to game plan for it and adjust to it. I think it's an incredible, incredible endorsement of your coaching staff. 
Yeah, the Heat have done a phenomenal job in this playoff series, really trying everything. I mean, they've gone two threes, they've gone three twos, they've put their bigs at the top. And even last game, it was funny watching Boston came out and they were ready for the zone and Miami didn't even play a zone. So Boston had prepared for the zone. Uh, Miami doesn't play zone. Boston struggles a little bit. And then Miami goes to zone and Boston was prepared to go against it. And Boston cracked that game open and they eventually win. But I think Miami, they're daring and, and they're trying a lot of things defensively. And it's really been a chess match in the East for Miami, for Toronto, for Boston. And it's been really fun to watch because I'm a defensive guy. Um, the thing about Miami, which I talked about a few weeks ago with you, that I really like when they play zone is that they all move on a string kind of and that they're all one cohesive unit. If one player moves, four react. And they're always reacting, whether it be closing out in the corners or playing help, adding cushion. Uh, they're just doing a lot. So I, I like what they're doing defensively. And Austin, I know you're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Tice. But Daniel Tice even is a player that adjusted to these zones and that if Boston's going to be throwing out these high screens and Miami's going to be playing 2-3, what can Tice do if he can't post up and he can't shoot the ball? Well, he can set a high screen, he can roll to the mid-range, and he can hit shots there. So um, the mid-range is not just dead yet. Daniel Tice is hitting shots there. LeBron is hitting shots there. Kawhi hit shots there. Uh, so the, the mid-range has been a good tool for some players in this postseason. Yeah, for sure. And what's funny is, getting back to one thing the Phillies, Bryce Harper on JT Real Muto says, I mean, he needs to be our catcher next year. When asked about Mac Lentzak, Bryce says, I'm glad I'm not the owner. I don't have to make those cold, those difficult decisions. That's what I would say. It's not my problem. That's exactly what you mean when you say, I don't want him back. I don't want him in my line of vision ever again. He just looks like a little, <laughs> like, I don't know. Whenever I see him, he just looks like a little uh, guy. A oh, little Jesus. guy making his baseball calls. Oh, man. Um, let's talk about Tyler Hero because what he yeah. did the other night was pretty incredible. And I think another thing that is just like a hint of what the Miami Heat do with their structure um, is, like, that was a guy who – Coming out, you were thought like, okay, this guy's going to be the JJ Redick if he's lucky. Um, Tyler Hero is taking guys off the dribble. He's finishing off the wrong foot. He's finishing off with, with the offhand. He's taking step back jumpers. He's taking pull up jumpers. He's creating an offense. He's splitting a pick and roll and getting to the rim at, at will. They have empowered him and instilled a confidence in him that I don't know that any other team would have gotten out of him. And that display the other night in Celtics was truly incredible. And it's a, it's a, it's a testament to their develop. And look at me like endorsing the Miami heat. I'm like, I want to like vomit, but um, I have to be fair and be just and, and be objective. Right. And um, I, what that performance the other night was a very, very, very high endorsement of, 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 of what the Miami heat do. And yeah. it's really incredible to watch his play because not only I, I think his his floor would be JJ Redick at this point not his ceiling his floor yeah and I think he is the type of guy who you're like we can start him at the two switch him over to the one play him small at a three and basically like have this like Swiss Army knife Type of guy who, by the way, has all-star level potential, I think. Yep. And so, I I don't know what his ceiling is. I mean, I I remember I read somewhere that someone said that he can be better than Booker. Okay. I think yeah. I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast. Dan Lebetard said um, that, that that the Heat think he can be better than Book. Which I mean, what are they going to say? Of course, they're going to say that that they want to empower their players. Like, still, like let's, let's relax here a little bit. Um, um, but at the 14th pick at the, at the 14th pick that's a that's a home run i mean todd's been a killer he's been a killer since high school he's been he's been saying it with his chest since high school he was cold as hell back then kentucky has a rich history with guards and uh, i think he's just another one of those guards that's going to dominate in the nba uh, the thing about ty is that he can take guys off the dribble he's really nice dribbling he can come around screens and 
Uh, talk about maximizing talent. What Miami's doing is is unparalleled right now. They're using the DHO almost as if it's like a moving screen, but it's not. Your, your guy receiving off the DHO is running full speed, full speed, hitting the spot, and there's a defender a foot behind him because he can't keep up, can't get around the screen. So I, I don't know what to call it. It's it's like a some some sort of moving screen, but it's just working to perfection. The DHO uh, for Duncan and Ty, and even when Duncan's cold. Uh, Ty can step up. He's a guy that's been really efficient off of the bench uh, when he's starting, even more efficient. He, he makes a lot of his shots from the field. He's a good three-point shooter, and he's smart. He's He's got good basketball IQ. He's comfortable, and I'd argue right now he's probably the most dangerous Miami Heat player with the final shot. Um, that's not a knock on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler takes that Easy. shot every time. Wow. Jimmy Butler takes that shot every time. I would go to Jimmy Butler with that shot every time, but – uh, speaking with with Miami right now, Jake Jake Crowder is as cold as ice. Um, they need him to get hot, or else they need him to get hot. Goran Goran's not been doing too well shooting that three ball. Jimmy hasn't shot that three ball well in the past two games. So uh, right now, Ty might be your guy if 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 you're trying to get a bucket. Yeah. Um, so game set game six is upon us. Do the Celtics force game seven? If if Miami continues to struggle shooting the three ball tonight, then yeah, my uh, Boston forces Game Seven. Yes, you, you know me. I'm someone who's not afraid of an opinion, and yeah. I got to tell you, I have absolutely no feel. I have no idea where this game mm-hmm. goes. I just, I think they're two very very evenly matched teams. I, I just have no feel. The the interest seems peaked in the NBA right now. I don't know why. Uh, I've seen a lot of people lose interest. I've seen people say that it's it's been tough for them to watch basketball. It's probably because the NFL is back, but I don't know. The interest seems pretty peaked, and a couple of people uh, – I know a couple of people saw that Boston-Miami game with me the other night. It was a tough game to watch. Boston-Miami couldn't hit a shot. There was no heart. It was it was an ugly ball game. Yeah. Who would you rather the finals matchup be? Well, Sha- on, on TNT players only, Shaq said that the Lakers want the Heat. Yeah. He somebody told him the Lakers want the Heat. He's not really – The Heat Twitter is already locked and loaded. Like, oh, you wanted the Miami Heat? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Shaq's gut here. Um, I guess the Lakers – I think the Lakers would kill Boston. I don't think that would be entertaining. Yeah. I think Miami can give them a game or two. Uh, so I'd rather see Miami in the finals. But you, so you think the Lakers win no matter what? Yeah. Okay. Miami, I, Miami, Miami could could quietly give the Lakers a run, but I'm not I'm not declaring that. I think the Lakers won the finals. I think if Boston makes it, I think the Lakers win in five or six. Mm-hmm. If the Heat win, I wouldn't be surprised if the Miami Heat won the title. I won wouldn't. how many? Two. One title. Won the, the whole title. Thing. The wow. whole time. Better better shooters. They have a capable big that can kind of keep up and handle Anthony Davis. Um, it's going to be how they defend LeBron. And, 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 and I don't know who I'd choose officially at this point, but I don't think it would be a lopsided thing where it's like, like okay, slay the dragon. Like I, I think it would be like, okay, no, let's sit here and really discuss and analyze this matchup because this is actually a pretty good matchup. Well, um, go ahead. It's like, all right, so – Anthony Davis has taken essentially as many shots as Kawhi and Braun in this playoff series. He's making almost 60% of them. He's gone to the line more than anybody in the league. He's sixth most in steals and third most in blocks. So when I look at that, it's like you've got one guy out there who's imposing his will more than any player on the court, although he's not rebounding. Um, and then you got LeBron James, who is, like I said, a line. He's a killer. So in the playoffs, it's a superstar game. I, I don't think Miami will beat the Lakers, but I mean, I forget what I saw. Isn't it like the last player players that have have come back from three one leads have have blown it in the the next time they're in the finals or something? I forget what I saw. I'd have to find it, uh, but I don't know. So you know, who knows? Basketball completely broke my expectations this season. The Clippers get eliminated. OKC makes the playoffs. The Sixers are the most disappointing team in the league. There's a bubble. I don't here. know. Are the Sixers the most disappointing? It may be the Clippers now. Clippers might have taken that title. I mean, the Clippers' expectations definitely had in this. 
Clippers. The Clippers' expectations were definitely higher. So yeah, you, and they blew a three-one lead. That's pretty. That's pretty tough. That's a tough look for your organization. But um, Kawhi dropped off the Sixers the year before, so I guess it kind of evens out. Not really, because it's a different organization. <laughs> All right, I think we're done for the night. Um, Brock, any parting shots before we wrap it up? No parting shots. But here's the deal. I've been working on a Mike Antoni video. Okay. I had it over the weekend. I've been adding stuff to it. Uh, today I had a little bit of extra work for school, so it's going to be out on, on Monday. It'll be out tomorrow. Zoom University. He's yeah. uh, he's Brock Landis. You can find him on Twitter at Landis Brock. Watch his great videos. They are very entertaining. Um, I'm Austin Krell, Krell TPL on Twitter. You can find me breaking your favorite NBA news always. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, thank you for tuning into the feed to Embiid. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Pods. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Take care, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the feed to Embiid. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole under a second. There's also a tab puller, vent plunger, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. on Instagram, and Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTACOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2020.